0: hey matt what's going
1: on welcome to the pod nothing i'm just chilling here getting ready for another snowstorm it just won't stop snowing i mean i our kids basically get like a three-day weekend every weekend (laughs) it's crazy like it just snows so much like the grass is green right now but come a few days it's going to be covered in snow and we won't be able to drive or go anywhere which is pretty nice Devin has always has his fire really nice i haven't figured out my fireplace yet we lived here for about a year and a half and i haven't figured out Really, how to do a fire
0: it's like bad I, for you anyway. the parti- particulates in the air if you have a real fire, they say you want to be breathing all that? Yeah, tell that to all of history <laughs> <laughs> well it's, it's not i mean it's a lot of people that depend on that for their warmth today, right. yeah, and there's yeah, a yeah. lot of uh yeah, both climate influence you. on that, but they like that's one of the climate things that they're saying, basically, you have to write that cost in and you don't. Even though it's bad to burn wood, especially, it, like coal's yeah. way better than burning wood for the environment, and we know coal's bad, but a lot of right. people survive by burning wood to cook and heat, so right. we have to price that into the whole climate project that everybody's involved. The fact that you're not going to even try to change that right. is is already written into how much you have to compensate in other ways My for man. a good portion of the world, but it's also bad for breathing, so, you know. How, what's the... uh?
1: least amount of time back how many years ago back would somebody have looked at you like you were crazy and died laughing if you said hey that fire and cow farts are destroying the world (laughs) not that long ago
0: right well, yeah, but you could take it to a but, – but it's true in a way, but you could take it to absurd levels as well. Um, you know, for instance, I uh, got into the, the the people that we played at their house, um, and they sell essential oils. And I, I was telling them how much I like – well, you know, I'm more of a candle guy for the smell. And that was a big rift between them and then me because of the danger of, can- of candles. The danger of candles? <laughs> It's like, well, you don't want to be breathing all that, you know, but it's true. Like if you put your finger above a candle flame and then hug it back, it's black, you know? Yeah. Like that's in the air. So it's something to that.
1: Oh, man. Well, we all are going to be plugged into some machine in 10, <laughs> ten ten minutes from now. So don't, don't worry about it too much. All right. Uh, we got a good episode today. No, not good. Great. This is an interesting one because we had some pastors They're they're a married couple. They both preach at different churches. And, uh, they wrote us to talk about they cause they, they were like, we've listened to the podcast before. I think they know our band a little bit and they wanted to, uh, say, Hey, we are wanting to reach more people. And you guys, even though we don't, agree, you know, everybody always does the disclaimer. We don't agree with everything you say that you have to, you know, you, you kind of have to make that disclaimer these days. Um, they said, we just wanted to find out what you thought about where churches headed, you know, what it could do. And we were like, well, why don't y'all just come on the podcast and we'll talk about it. So this is pretty, uh, pretty fun, uh, podcast with some, uh, Pastors who are just wanting to try and see what can happen. So that that that's up next. But yeah, first I felt
0: it, really like that request was very genuine in that. Yeah, that's true. Like if you remember when we first started this podcast, we did think we were to have insights that could help the church at least. Yeah. I did feel that way um, at the beginning that I'm recognizing some bad patterns or something that I thought maybe we could talk about them and learn to correct them and people would find that useful to improve, you know, but that didn't turn out to to really be what anybody really wants to do anyway. But nonetheless, and I thought maybe we'll speak or we could be those kind of people that, you know, talk, give public talks or something. I don't know about topics like that. If we got good at it or, you know, Um, but never ever was there any real demand for that. I found like there wasn't nobody that just isn't, something that's in demand is fixing uh, uh, that stuff um but these there are people out there and this was a good example of it it was like but we just we hear what you're saying we would love to actually listen and try to get from your experience how you so they could incorporate and learn from like not that I want to be elevated up here anymore anyway like that that was a bad thought on 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 our part anyway but it was interesting even after all this time to get somebody to say we hear what you're saying, but, and we really do want to improve what we do. And we really are open-minded and we don't agree with you, but let us listen. Let us ask. I thought yeah. that was a very genuine, um, a genuine point of view.
1: Yeah. And I mean, uh, it's a good one for pastors, maybe uh, in general, I think to be listening and figuring out what's next because it is changing. It's changing right under our eyes and feet and it, you got to move and uh, change with it. Um. All right, so let's pay some bills right before we get to this interview Uh, Join the BC Club You get two mm-hmm. bonus episodes if you go to the com. So you get a Monday and a Friday episode In addition to our Wednesday episodes and uh, the big show Um, And it's really awesome You also get into uh, Knuckle Breakers and Emoryland Are we still calling it Emoryland at all? Is it knuckle yeah. Breakers,
0: it's, knuckle it's breakers is the combination Duh-uh. of the BC Club and Emoryland
1: I see so you get all the stuff in Emory land, which is a, a shitload of Emory music and a lot more. There's videos, digital events, uh, the discord, the the clubs, all of that stuff. It's a lot of stuff. So uh, join it. Why wouldn't you? What's what's wrong with you? And when you do, uh, clubbers get their name read on this podcast. And so, Matt, I'm going to read them right now, if you don't mind. And and uh, I thought it was kind of cool. This week, everybody sent in um a, a Bible verse. Okay. Instead of a nickname, okay, and I I thought that was this was good. So uh, this first one, uh, and, and I hope these are encouraging to people. You know what I mean? Like we don't read Bible verses enough on this podcast. I think I've said that for a long yeah, time. Yeah, we don't do it enough. You know what I mean? Uh, so here we go. Uh, Chad Glendenning, Chad Glendenning. You know what his Bible verse is? Uh, I think this is this isn't even in the Bible. It's from Sirach twenty five twelve. Oh wow! But he says the Got worst. It. The worst of all wounds is that of the heart. The worst of all evils is that of a woman. <laughs> I don't know where. And that's from what? Uh, Sirach, Sirach. Yeah. What is that? I'm not really it? sure. Chad, Chad, or maybe Chad's not a believer.
0: Maybe not. Maybe maybe some bigger but believer that, than me. That's from the Apocrypha.
1: Okay. That I, I love that movie. Um. All right. Next one is Anthony Watson. He he chose Old Deuteronomy 23:2. No one whose testicles have been crushed or whose penis has been cut off may be admitted into the community of the Lord. And I'm glad that's still a rule. Yeah, aren't you? Gotta you? Keep that. I mean, that's the one that is literal. That Some stuff is you have to just yeah.
0: stand up for.
1: Yep. Now, Phil Mayhew he writes from Song of Solomon 4.2. two. He says, "Your teeth are like a flock of newly shorn ewes." Ewes. E w e s. That's a, a, a deer or something sheep. or a, a sheep. That's what. It, yeah, sheep, which have come up from their washing all of which bear twins, and none, not one among them has lost her young. Wow, that is
0: man, that's pretty good.
1: Uh, Brian Northrup, he writes, he's going back to Proverbs. He's in the Old Testament, 1122. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. Women, read the Old Testament. Women, read the Old Testament. We're
0: not saying it's wrong to get a, a lip piercing or anything or nose no. piercing. Not saying that. But use discretion.
1: Use discretion. And now we got Cody Riziki. I think it's It's R-O-Z-Y-C-K-I. And I like that name. Riziki. That's what I would call it. sounds like he's from New York. Yo, where's Riziki? <laughs> Where, where's Riziki supposed to be here? <laughs> he chooses Ezekiel 4, 12 through 15. Uh, very well, he replied. I allow you cow's dung in place of human excrement bake your bread on that and so those are the clubbers thank you for sending those uplifted bible verse keep them coming folks we appreciate it more and more uh songs and stories portland and seattle on march 4th and march 5th you can get your tickets now uh seattle's march 5th will also be a digital event um, that's so the global get, that's yeah, for global.
0: everybody you don't have to be in seattle
2: if you're get
1: anywhere your tickets on now. The globe uh if you join the bc club you get 20 percent off your tickets 20 percent is Amazon ever giving you twenty percent off? Maybe, but it was a you know they charge you shipping or something. No, this you pay
0: you pay to join Amazon, yeah, you but it, they don't yeah. even get the you pay join the BC club. You get, a, club, member, you get yeah, but you get, yeah, something. You get a discount. Yeah,
1: good lord! So join the BC club right now for those shows. That once again, that's uh, Friday, March fourth, uh, and Saturday March fifth, and that's Portland and Seattle. The Seattle one will be uh, live streamed. So go to emerymusic uh, to get your tickets and then at marriage supply, you can get 10% off at marriagesupply.com with code BCPOD and make sure you go visit our Instagram. I sure would appreciate it. If you signed up, we got a lot of, we're funny on there. We, we, we cut up. We, we you know, we, we don't take ourselves too seriously and we, the, the same way as you should, not you know what I mean? Your marriage is, is filled with serious things and tough things. Go to marriage get some fun toys. Go to the dot Instagram, you know, some funny memes, mm-hmm. sometimes some helpful stuff, but it's good marriage BCPOD code gets you 10% off.
0: I think that's a good way. It's something just for us to just go ahead and identify and admit it right now that as far as Matt and Toby's concerned, mm-hmm. the only thing we take seriously is goofing off. That's it. We don't take anything seriously except for one thing. And that one thing is fucking around.
1: Yeah. You ain't kidding uh and after you saying that i can't wait for the uh pastors on this interview to share this episode mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> that's what they hear but just keep it at goofing off interview. i shouldn't have said fucking around i should, should have, have said it man. As goofing off but i do believe so, it any new listeners he shouldn't Sorry. have said it that just we read the goofing off we
1: read the bible though yeah i mean i read the bible well except for that one part well, that one one was from uh what did you say a apocalypse said now? The ap- what was
0: it yeah the apocrypha or apocalypse like, you know what now mean? I don't they have some what extra ones it, you know it ain't no pentateuch
1: no oh don't get me started I know it on ain't the, in the torah no good lord the pentateuch was that the precursor to the pentagon yeah I don't know, let's get to this interview Uh, if y'all don't mind, I'm just going to read the email that y'all sent us and how, how in the heck y'all got on our podcast. We thought it'd be kind of fun because uh, we got this email uh, and I was like, huh, this is interesting. Some pastors are asking us about church. What's wrong with them? I thought there's something. I was like, what is wrong with you guys? Because why would you ever ask two people from the Bad Christian Podcast about church? I mean, so many people have told us we don't know anything about church. So I thought that was really good. Uh, Honestly, kind of nice that y'all would even send an email to us asking about that. But uh, so I'm just going to read the email real quick just to give some context to the listeners. So, uh, and once again, thank you guys for being here. I, we thought it was really cool that you guys would come on. Uh, it says, Hello, Pastor Jess and husband, Pastor Eric here. Uh, we serve two small rural churches. We've been listening to your podcast, uh, which was your first mistake, for some time now. And have noticed that you guys have some strong opinions regarding organized religion. Uh, We would love to know if you'd be willing to help us learn what church would and should look like from your perspective. Uh, From listening to the podcast, we assume that your trust has been broken uh, by the church in some way. And personally, we feel uh, you have found church and a way to worship through the podcast and Land and the communities you have built through social media. Um, however, we'd still like to learn how you feel about organized churches, what, how they could be better, how they could be improved being millennials. We recognize that there's room for improvement, but for that to happen, we must first start by listening. What kind of improvements would you seek to find within organized churches in order uh, for your trust to be regained? And if not regained, are there changes that might make you reconsider organized church? Um, so I thought those were really well written and nice letter. Tell us a little bit more about yourself though. So you guys are both pastors, you're out in the country or what?
2: Yes. We are co pastors at two churches in uh, Western North Carolina, um, not too far from the state line of Georgia and South Carolina, and um, so quite rural. And um, we have been serving for three years and two years, respectively. And, you know, a lot of the churches in our area, um, and not just Western North Carolina, but in a lot of the Appalachian area, have seen um, a lot of churches memberships and people that are coming and attendance going down, um, especially in generations that are frankly our generation. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of our friends that we know of either don't go to church or they say, you know, I don't know if I feel welcome there. And so it's kind of an opportunity for us to ask people, okay, you know, we know that there are some issues here and there that can be, you know, found in churches because when you have a community of people, there's going to be, you know, some some issues come up, but we always want to try our best to see how we can resolve issues. That's the whole point of being a church community. Yeah. Um. At least in my mind, and so we thought, you know, we listened to y'all for a while, and we wanted to get to know and see what your opinion on that was.
0: Cool. I'm really, I find that very, really curious. So I'm, I'm curious of. First of all, I mean that's where we're from, the same neck of the woods at Georgia, yeah. North Carolina line, but where specifically, what town?
2: Um we are about uh 16 miles south of Franklin, North Carolina in a small town called Otto. Oh cool.
0: wow. Yeah, we grew up in there in uh, you know, north of Greer, between Greer and Landrum, a uh, bit near south Tri- of Yeah, just in between, you know, Greenville and and, you know, that in that whole area. So it's pretty pretty cool. So we do have a similar background and then up in the mountains where we're from is a lot of rural churches. Like Devin from our band, for instance, his dad pastored at a rural kind of mountain church. There's lots of churches that have sixty My and Papa eighty people. As well. yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so those churches are, you know, kind of what we grew up the most around. There's they're every few miles and they have a lot of of you know, and when we were growing up while we were living there and everything, it was a lot of Maybe half of the church is almost connected to family and friends, real close, and then there's some other people from the you know nearby community that that go there, and not a lot of movement in or out, and a lot of them just are similar size. And then I think in the last generation or so, uh, some of them have been you know declining and kind of a
1: and thing. older. The congregation <laughs> yeah, was a older. lot older. How, what what are y'all's congregations? Are they are they older, younger? What are what, what does it look like?
2: And um, they're yeah, they're definitely older. Um, we do have some kids um but there's you know it's a handful it's not the majority of the church it's not even half of your regular attending groups yeah um it, it's predominantly um as we call it it's a graying congregation
0: graying congregation yeah. i'm going to ask a few more background <laughs> questions just before we even going farther though um a, a lot of also what i associate with what i'm picturing in my mind of your church and stuff like that and that area is those churches have been you know very conservative churches or strict evangelical or Pentecostal and things that, be, that um, were that way but I'm not exactly getting that vibe from you and the co-pastoring thing too so that seems interesting to me is it, it what, like how did you get into these churches and what is the either denomination or the type of how conservative it is and the theology what is it like
3: as far as the denomination we're United Methodists. And um, we um, we're sort of down to down the middle. one church is more conservative and the other one is um, they're a little bit more progressive, but we really don't like to use those um, labels. we just try to love everybody you know um, we don't really want to use any conservative or um progressive or liberal labels because that's not that always set your mind up to take you down roads that um you just really don't want to start you know in my opinion
1: do the communities though then think that y'all are like a little lost or something you know because if you're not hardcore conservative a lot of times in the south in the south you know they think you're doing something evil or something y'all getting pushed back for taking a like a middle road or what
2: no, we were actually both born and raised in this area. So most of the people that are at our churches knew us when we were kids.
3: Oh, wow. So um, well, it depends on who you ask. If you ask yeah. her family, no, if you ask my family, yeah, I'm probably um, headed yeah. towards a, yeah. a place that's not so pleasant, but that's okay. I
0: don't care. <laughs> you're the black sheep, even though you're a pastor, right? Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I think that's what's really <laughs> that's important right. to establish that the everything's on a spectrum that, in that way. Because I mean, in my whole time of exploring this whole landscape, I've always basically found myself in a position where um, the farther pushing limit of whatever system i'm in like that is on the bad side so if you put me in a school when i'm eight or any other thing i'm on the edge where they're saying but you're bad but i'm saying but i'm not bad like these other people are bad because i think i'm good you see and then these there's these people farther than me that are that are the bad people and and that's the and then through all of christianity and everything it's it's like i'm trying to get it right in my point of view I'm just happened to be where I'm being. So that puts all the people on this side thinking I'm bad. And then all the other people on that, on the up farther side than me thinking that I'm just this good, goody two shoes or something kind of thing. So it's like, it depends on who you ask. Um, but there's always somebody pointing back at you thinking you've taken the moral slide, no matter what you're trying to stand up for, whatever you think is right at the time, there's always people on both sides. So if if you can't identify that, that territory in the first place, that's always a, a, a bad sign but just to know that you're too conservative for some and not for the others is is definitely a good starting point
1: i i at this point in my life too it's bizarre for me to really be concerned about my afterlife like that was such a a strong uh message to me when i was growing up like i said my my grandfather was a pastor of the church that we attended um and now I see that, like I have family members now that still think, "Well, I'm headed towards hell." They won't say it to my face, but they think I'm way off because of this podcast and because I'm open and honest and say things that are good and bad. I make mistakes and all that stuff. So it's interesting now that that is one thing for me that is has changed. But it, it there is a uh, it's tougher it's a tougher pill to swallow when it is your family, like it's your you know that you grew up with, you you know went trick or treating with, you shared holidays with, and all that stuff. And now they. Because you are trying to search for truth, they say that you are dangerous or something like that 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 part is 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 really tough and i mean even even some of the churches I worked at, um it's funny, so when we were matt, you got any more did you want any more background questions? no I, th- or, I think I'm calibrated good enough, yeah, I wanted to say like so when when y'all wrote us i I really did think about it because our podcast when we started this thing back in whatever it was twenty fourteen or whatever. We did think we wanted to change the church. We thought we have a bunch of ideas and if if we can get it out there in the world, it'll change everything for the better. And I think just from that time to now I realized that I was it was just a huge ego and obnoxious and arrogant for me to think that. Like it it's really unfair for me to have thought I can do it better uh because I, I was a part of it and I, all I wanted to do was change the things that maybe I would think would be better. Or I would like, uh, it was more of a preference than a real, uh, challenging change. You know, I think now when I think about the church changing, uh, my, my views are, I don't even know if it can or will, like it might just be what it is. Uh, and with that being said, like I haven't attended church in years now, like I haven't, I mean, COVID affected some of that, but since COVID we just haven't even really decided to go. And, and the weird thing about it is I do miss it sometimes. It's very strange. I'm like, what? There's this some. There's something that calls to me. That's like, because I guess because I've done it so much. You know, there were Sunday mornings, and you got to go Sunday morning, Sunday morning, Sunday morning. And then I worked at churches. You know, I worked at two mega churches, and there is something that calls to me. But it's like a uh, an ex that you weren't you were in lust with more than in love with. You know what I mean? Like, he, like you he just you you want them for some some things that were fun and cool but you know it's going to be bad for you that's kind of where i feel now like and i don't know like i i don't know uh, it leads me to a question to you guys are you wanting to bring people like are you wanting uh you know my age and younger people without you know I, I have gray hair but you want you want not gray hair folks is that like when you are asking how can church be better what what causes you to ask those questions
3: um, for me, I have um, two beautiful, we have two beautiful little girls and I have gray hair too. So that's not an issue there. Right. Um, I have two beautiful little girls and we baptize them as babies. And when we baptize them into the church, we baptize them in a community that promised to help raise them with a family around them, a, a spiritual family. And as our little churches are growing older and grayer, we find that we're putting more bodies in the ground than more bodies in our church. Yeah. And it's because a lot of people just have lost faith or trust or whatever it is in the church. And as pastors, we're trying to figure that out. Why did it, what is it? I made a promise to my daughters when they were babies, that I would try to give them a spiritual family that if something ever happens to me or my wife, that they would have that spiritual community or just a community. I mean, Otto is a small community that, you know, if they don't have someone, a church that they can rely on to support them, what are they going to do? You know, they, they will have family. Yes. But, You need more than family. You need the the community, the village, you know? Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt that the church,
0: like if you just look at it from a utility point of view, like why why are there churches? Why do they always emerge? Even if you got rid of them all, they would come back. Um, And so they obviously provide a societal function. And I think it's very close to what you're saying there um, in that. Humans are community animals. I mean, we need it. Like it, you need more than just family. Um, and the more isolated we have become over the last few generations, that does seem like it has extremely negative effects. Like, and so many people aren't maybe that skilled of parents in the first place. Maybe they don't even, you know what I mean? It's like if you only know what you know by the time you have kids. By the time you're 22 years old and have kids, and you're not part of a community, you you don't even have that much knowledge. And you don't have that much feedback if you just stay home with your kids. That in itself, it already sounds like a bad setup, you know, because the problems that you have as a parent, you're not even getting feedback from the environment is like, oh, that's weird. I don't, I, I shouldn't let my kids step out. I should let this do Oh, other people do it this way. So you have the school and the church are the place where the most important part of society is the raising of kids, in my opinion. Like the development of the children will determine the society. But, um, And so it's a big part of that. So I think that's like, if I just zoom all the way out without even trying to talk about theology or something like that, the school and the church are the most important things to help children develop outside of parents and parents need as much help as they can get because they're not very great and i don't think schools are that great and i don't think pastors and churches are that great but they're all we've got that those are the tools that we have you know what i mean so and then whatever else is the community development things playing baseball together um community centers like these things will continue to emerge i put church in the most zoomed out point of view extremely you know necessary tool for that, and especially in these in the rural places, the, the church will be the place where there's the baseball field, where you find your babysitter, what the other pe- peer groups are like that would be your rural church because there's not some there's not there's nothing else there. so at least at the background layer, having that thing work and be functional seems important to me, I'd say.
1: Yeah. When I was little church was the social media, <laughs> you know, now yeah, we got the social environment. Them. I yeah. mean, that was, that was, that was how we actually communicated and met, met up with each other. And, you know, I mean, that's just, that's what it was. And I think, <clears throat> I, mean, I mean, what are y'all seeing as far as I know that your, your churches are getting older, but do you think what, what makes uh what are y'all have any ideas or thoughts on why younger generation wouldn't want to come to your church? Like, is it just there, there is other things or what, what are y'all seeing?
2: It's a combination, I think. Um, I think some of it is because, you know, we are 16 miles from Franklin and there's a lot more things going on in Franklin. Um, There's bigger churches that already have, you know, larger, more established um, youth groups. They have bigger budgets, therefore, and can do a lot of bigger, grander, shinier things. Um, Whereas, you know, we may have a little bit more limitation in our resources, um, at least when it comes to, you know, overnight trips and big things like that that might appeal to, you know, teens or even young adults in their twenties. Um, and for that reason, the parents are going to kind of make some of those judgment calls as well. If they're parents of teenagers, they're going to go, well, I kind of want to go where my kid's going to have a bigger, more diverse group of kids, maybe not, you know, six kids, maybe 60.
3: Right.
2: Um, and so that, I think that does have some effect on it. Um, I also think too, we are sort of a, um, what you might call a drive-through town there's no stoplight and um so most of the people that do come to our area do tend to go stay in. and so even our seasonal visitors those who come up for you know part of the year or part-time residents, they tend to also gravitate towards the larger town and so it does leave a little bit of a vacuum here in the smaller town
0: yeah there's two factors that i think have been really huge over the last couple of generations obviously one is You know, technology, but the, well, they're both technology, but the technology aspect is that church as a form of technology has moved to where people have figured out, like, the model of how church functions as a business is a form of technology. Like, you organize it in a certain way and it has these certain outcomes. So, if they figure out how to really nail youth group and really nail the music and really nail the, whatever it is, then that model becomes is a consumeristic kind of commercial product that is advancing in some technological way. Um, so that that model of how to do a church that's attractional and then does that, I mean, it is, uh, all the way up to the mega church, just like Amazon takes all knocks all the mom and pop stores away. There's this, whoever can optimize their church technology, stru- structural technology seems to continually pull from these smaller community churches to the next town over. From that from that uh-huh. church, they lose a lot of people to the bigger mega church in Charlotte or Asheville or whatever's close by, you know, and 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 so on and so forth. So we're you're seeing um the, and Mars when we were a part of Mars Hill, that was part of its model. It was clearly pulling people from these not so much advanced churches into this organism that or this organization that really thought of them. Um, I don't know if it was serving as much their community needs at their ground level, but it was consolidating the things that the church was measuring and valuing like baptisms or butts and seats or how many, uh, how much the giving is or how much global impact they could make through their, whatever, the whatever it is you're measuring. Those are the things that kind of grow, but it seems to pull from these smaller churches and kind of does undermine some social fabric in doing so because, You know, people don't ever return back to the smaller churches. They're simply fuel. It's like
1: the Righteous Gemstones TV show. I mean, that's that's what they did. You know, they just go in and try and take over, so that the smaller churches just can't stand a chance. Don't don't have a chance. But it really seems to me that, uh, and another reason why I'm just not interested in churches is that it almost always is the bigger the church is, just the dynamic speaker that has a lot of skills at speaking and will. Uh, do uh, it buys more into the show of it, the event of it, and all of those things. Like, man, I worked at two mega mega churches, and both of them cared like, extremely a lot about the how the music was presented, the flow, the vibe, the the. I mean, churches are now content creators, mm-hmm. and they need to get views and likes, and then that will maybe lure somebody in or something like that. So, y'all are kind of at an uphill battle because you're right; you have less resources and how how could you create more community that was real and deep when they are having movie nights and that all you know, food and, and all this crazy stuff you know like some of the churches that uh that I would say would do like the i mean I couldn't believe how much money they spent on like an Easter egg hunt or a giant you know and I was like man all this money and and so that actually turns me off i I do believe on some level you know we're talking about millennials uh, you guys maybe some, there's some truth that is missing in, in some of those, those larger churches that, you know, once a, a, a congregation gets over a certain size, you don't know everybody at all. And you just can kind of come in and, and leave. Like I used to like that about the mega church that I would sneak in the back, right. As the music was, I, I hated the Christian music. I just, I cannot stand it. Sorry if y'all like it, but I can't, I just can't hardly take it. But, uh, I would come in right as the last song before the sermon, Happened, and then I would sneak out right as the, you know, the song for the reflection, uh, response would, would come on. Cause I just couldn't take it, but I thought, oh, it's kind of easy for me to get in and out here. You know what I mean? Like, I like that use I'm, I'm, as a user friendly type thing. It's like that. And I think that's what churches are thinking about. Like, so I would say too, like, are, if you guys, when you're wanting to grow, like if you had more resources, would you want to be just like a mega church? I mean, would you
3: want to just have bigger, better stuff or what no no and growth is not necessarily the goal um it's really we want the black sheep <laughs> we want the troublemakers if you will
2: we yeah. want the oddballs we want the, people that
3: are not afraid to go to church on sunday and then on the way home listen to emory Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you know, listen to rub some dirt on it, right? You know, last Sunday as I was going to church, I did listen to rub some dirt on it. The first song's my favorite. Oh,
2: yeah, he plays it on repeat quite a bit. (laughs)
3: Uh, But yeah, I mean, the song "You Still Got Me." Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) That's one of my favorites. Yeah, and I'm not ashamed to say it. Yeah.
2: But yeah, Yeah. we're, we're an eclectic group in those churches. Um, Like we said, you know, yeah, you could define some as conservative. You could define some as middle of the road and some as more progressive, but they're very eclectic group. And I think that's part of the charm because just like a family, um, you are going to have, you know, weird uncle Tom who does odd things. And so we're going to have, you know, some of our faith family is going to be a little odd, but we love them because of that. And so no, I wouldn't, I don't think we'd want to be a mega church because you do lose some of that authenticity. You lose a lot yeah. of it, quite frankly. I think and authentic- you also lose that ability the right to be a family.
3: Yeah. 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 I, I would really it, it just, key in on that.
2: It's one things that we really. Do.
3: Yeah. Um, it's our differences that bring our strengths together and that make us the strongest.
1: Yeah, but I think that's that's the problem. I don't think churches realize that. And I'm talking about church in the context of the building and going there. I, I think they have thought draw more people, uh, you know, the there's a real americanized uh, uh what success is. Like the the numbers, you know what I mean? It really is a numbers game. And if you're not drawing more numbers, if you don't have more uh, a huge list of baptisms, a huge list, uh, you know, of uh, people in the, the butts in the seats and stuff like that, I think that that is, is part of the turnoff for me. I I do like the community. I, I wish I was drawn more to the community and wanted it more, but also I don't know if I want to spend the energy I have on that or what that looks like. Like we moved to a new town uh, a little over a year ago now, and I would like for my kids to go and see other kids at church and us to have some fellowship that way. But also I just, I worry about what will be taught and that is the big pushback for me is the the church in some ways has to be really concrete and consistent on what they believe. And I understand that and I appreciate it and, and, and can expect it, but I'm worried about some volunteer teaching my kid. Like the last time, one of the last times we went to church was a, actually ended up being a mega church in Franklin, Tennessee. And my daughter came back from Sunday school and she was the, you know, it was just a volunteer telling her how important God was. And that if she believed he would change her life and it would be so important to her and it would be everything to her. And then, and she just kind of just said it because a teacher, an adult had told her that. And then I was like, what do you actually think about that? I said, do you just accept that or what? And she goes, well, I don't want to get in trouble. I was like, well, no, you won't get in trouble. Just tell me. And she goes, well, I don't ever see God. He's invisible. So sometimes it's hard for me to believe that he's going to change my life or be there for me or save me or help me. You know what I mean? Like, and I was like, that's just the most honest, real question you could ask. And I never got to ask that in church. If I said that I was a doubter or, you know, I was the person that was against the church. I, I did. I was asking questions that I shouldn't be asking. And I think when church churches, they don't. It's not necessarily that that's out in the open, but it is. Uh, it's underneath it. those those ideas are there. Hey, don't ask too many questions. The the pastor and the and the musicians they got it covered. You're you're out in the pew. You just you receive, you receive, you receive instead of really being called to give or risk. You know, there, there's not much risk when you go to church these days. I mean, it just isn't much risk. Like you don't have to, you don't take many chances to go to church. It's just a bunch of like minded people, and so that feeling of, well, there's no risk. I mean, everything about Jesus was a risk. I mean, it just seems like his whole story was It was risky. You know, it cost him his life and everything. And I just, I feel like we've lost some of that. Like there's not, there's not that reality. It's you got to have great air conditioning, good coffee, hopefully some donuts, good music. The guys and the girls on stage have to look cool, you know, all these things. And so I think it just robs us of anything that was real for a while there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. it, It can be very superficial, um, in some ways. Um, some of the churches that I have been to before I became a pastor were that way. And it was kind of like, this is all a giant theater production and none of it seems real. Right. And the people that were there were that way too. I mean, even trying to get to know people, they behaved like a one person theater show while they were at church, they were one person. And when they walked out Monday through Saturday, they were a completely different individual. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that can happen. And that's one of the reasons that I think, Eric and I like the churches that we're at. And one of the reasons that we've kind of gotten to where we like um, the United Methodist denomination as a whole is because they're allowed to ask questions there. There are hard questions and there are questions that everyone's going to look at and go, okay, explain this to me. And even us as pastors, there are times that we look at something and go, okay, God, can you prove yourself a little bit here? Because I'm having some trouble. Hmm. And, you know, even pastors are human beings that needs to be known for more people that, you know, the pastors aren't infallible. And that was really given a lot at those big megachurches is that, well, the pastor knows all about it. They have all the training. Just take what they say and and run with it. And that's not always true. You know, we're human, too. We make mistakes sometimes.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that is hard about it um, in organizations where, you know, fakeness. It happens a lot, like you're saying, people that act one way and one but that can be due to the tone of the environment um, where like the culture of the environment has to be set up in such a way that you can be yourself or else people that would want to be themselves feel that they have to pretend to be someone else. So it's like a two-way street, you know, like you have to set the vibe in such a way that people will be their, their real selves and then that'll at least invite other people to do that. And if not, then even when I go somewhere and I go, "Uh oh, everybody here is uncomfortable and pretending, then I also need to pretend. I know that to be safe. I can't actually be myself. Even though I want to, I'm still going to have to pretend right now. And I'm very aware of that feeling. And then that makes me – then I seem super awkward, and then it's going to – that – further makes it an awkward vibe for other people once I'm pretending (laughs) because I'm not very good at it. Um, But, and so that really gets to that thing you're saying about outsiders and you want the black sheep and stuff like that. And I think that authenticity is the key to that. In my opinion, I don't know if this is exactly true, but I can't think of a higher bar than authenticity. And I mean, some people don't value that. For some reason, people won't, don't seem to recognize that you say they go authenticity is like overrated, but I just don't think that's possible because, like, anything that you care about, I think authenticity is the highest thing you'd want from it, from another person. Otherwise, you how else would you know to trust it is what it seems to be? So, not like as a cool quality of like, oh, he's outspoken or whatever, but just like it, a restaurant to be authentic or a, a piece of. It, Anything that you would put any care or trust in, authenticity just comes first. Otherwise, if oh this is a fake, what it fill in the blank? Authentic is the opposite of fake. So, like the the more you you can create a space of authenticity that really works, Um, and it attracts the people that are black sheeps because they're used to having to um, or not being able to uh, hide. Or do the pretend game is good? So you, it is really likely that you guys are of that type and are most capable of attracting more authentic-like people who are probably black sheep. But the problem with the black sheep movements are th- what is the shared thing that they all have? Because there, there's these like... They're the rejects from all these different places that all come to you, but that doesn't mean they're the same. Whereas the other systems where everybody goes along, everybody pretends, those people get on a shared wavelength where they all want one thing and it's moving in a direction and nobody's stopping to ask questions because they're all just playing a game that makes the thing feel better as long as you're playing along, then every it has a shared purpose and vision almost. But if you get a bunch of black sheep or special ed kids or, you know, whatever it is this whatever the the thing is then all all of a sudden the needs are in every different direction like everybody's unique everybody has their own set of questions everybody doesn't some people don't like this some people do like that but they're authentic but they're very hard to organize in a shared single direction which is good for organizations and businesses and so forth so to be that special place where the special outsiders can be is really hard to get a direction going for for those people you know it's just all you can do is be but that's the most important I mean, that's what it's about anyway. It's just a place to be. That's the, at the heart well, of it. Well,
1: I, I think, too, the, just the confidence and certainty. I, I actually believe now that church pastors, uh, maybe not you two, but <laughs> I think that collectively a lot of pastors led us to uh, Trump to be president. And I, what I mean by that is it was just c- uh, certainty, and you just go, oh, well, I just know what. I actually know what this person is and I can swallow it. Like everybody knows Trump lies and, and is a womanizer and doesn't care about marriage or respect, you know, I mean, everybody knows all of these things. And I think they learned that in a way from some, uh, the pastoral role, the Christians did because Christians go, well, it's our pastor. And well, you know, we, we, I, you know, I'm just a person out here in the pew. I, you know, I'm not going to ask questions. I'm not going to push back. I'm not. I mean, who am I to ask? And you're right. Like what you were just saying, Matt. You just go along with it till eventually it's just you're like, where, where did we end up? How did we get here? And I thought this was supposed to be about Jesus or service, service or love and forgiveness. And now all of a sudden, we, we actually hate our enemy. We don't forgive our enemies. We hate them. They are they are a danger, and we keep them from our kids because if they get close to us, they're going to hurt us. You know, they're going to they're going to steal. They're going to do the terrible things. We we you know we haven't really the church for me didn't teach me forgiveness and love really. They said all those things, but deep down inside, you know, yeah, that you know those other people. I mean, I can remember my pawpaw. We'd we'd ride by some Baptist churches, and he'd be like, "I bet they're doing dip in the back pew. They're, they're spitting dip in the back <laughs> pew." Like it's just a funny thing. He would you know he's an old Southern dude, and I was like, "Man, this is so." so wild because, and it, and it pushed me away. I was going to, if y'all don't mind, I was going to take a second here. I I went back through some of my notes. I don't really keep journals or anything, but I write down stuff just in my notes on my phone. And I went back because y'all are asking, uh, you know, the questions of like, how do you attract, uh, young, a younger generation or why would, you know, new people come to the church as the older are dying or leaving this world. And, uh, it's, it, so this is just shows you, I'm a person who grew up very Christian, worked at two churches, thought I would work at churches the rest of my life, and this is my deconstruction, if you will. Uh, so this this first one uh, comes from April 12th, uh, I mean, April 2012. So this is about 10 years ago. I'm just starting there. I know it started probably a little bit before that, but on April 2012, I wrote down uh, topics that we should discuss because we had started, before this podcast, we were going to do the undashlearning.org blog post. And I was like, well, what are topics that we really needed to discuss? And back then, my mindset was the first one I wrote down, is there a correct type of Bible to use? Is King James the only true one? And then I wrote, uh, uh, does God really care if I have sex before marriage? Uh, I said, uh, are reality shows bad to watch? And then I I threw this one (laughs) in there because this is a big one that you got to really talk about. I said, shouldn't gays be allowed to marry? They deserve the same rights as us, don't they? <laughs> like I asked that question. I mean, that was a real question I was asking. I said, uh, I then the follow up to that question was, should Christians give up the idea of marriage and do their own thing under a different name? Straits marry all the time, even in churches, and they don't uh, care about God. So I'm thinking about you know homosexuality and, and what's happening. But you know, I don't want to go too far there. I, I still at, at 2012 is still wrong, right? And I asked these que- uh, a couple of more words like, is it, is it really wrong to drink or smoke? Uh, what's okay in the bedroom? Uh, does God really care about premarital sex? I think I asked that one again. Uh, one of them that was funny, I wrote, uh, I like to go to casinos sometimes. I'm not addicted. I just think it's fun. Is that wrong? <laughs> I mean, that's 2012, when I was working at Mars Hill, these questions I thought were really serious and needed to be addressed. I thought the world wasn't asking them that much. And then, okay, so then... That was 2012. Now, what the next post uh, I found was August 2015. So, three years later, right? First question or first thing I wrote is a question, actually. I wrote, Jesus took a three day weekend in hell. Is it really that bad? (laughs) Look at that from from what I just wrote three years later. I'm like, well, but Jesus was in hell for three days. I mean, I'd love to go on a three day vacation. Maybe it's maybe hell isn't as bad as you think. I I mean, I know that's a joke, but but, and then I, I critique. I listened to a sermon in 2015 when I was working at the Second Mega Church and I listened to a sermon and I just wrote down uh I realized some problems with church pastors stem from having a mantra basically uh that if you believe in Jesus, he'll change you. He will change you. It's like uh it's like you have to believe that everything is centered around believing. So when you believe, then your life will change for the better and by a lot and and it also leads you to think uh that change without God, uh, God's intervention is worthless. So you have to believe, you have to really believe that believing in God, like it's not just the belief, oh, I believe in Jesus. It's that believing in Jesus really means something. Like not just, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. No, I believe that if you believe in Jesus, then your world will change forever. And and that idea was really starting to strike me way more strongly back in 2015 while I was at church working at a megachurch where I thought, wait a minute, my own change, like if I want to change myself without Jesus, it's not as valuable to these people. These people think that through Jesus alone, that my life will actually vastly improve. But if I were to say, Hey, you know what? Actually, I've just been reading some books. They're not the Bible. And it's helped my marriage a lot. People go, Oh, that's cool. But if I said, man, I read the Bible and my wife and I's marriage has just gotten so much better. It would be more valuable. And so I realized there's this, uh, it it, is religious thought uh, in a cultish thought, almost in a way of only one way, only one way, only one way. And if you at uh, all steer from that, it actually attacks Jesus as opposed to being a part of it. So I couldn't think more freely and still be a, a Jesus follower as opposed to, you know, unless I fully bought into that. I'll just read a few more. I don't, I'm sorry if I'm wasting y'all's time here, but uh, I, now, so that was uh, August, 2015. Fast forward to January 15th, 2019. Um, I said there now I've write, write, written, uh, there have always been people who have claimed that they have been called by God, that they have a higher purpose, that God is going to use them. And I said, but what proof do we have that God has set them apart and chosen them? Why should we believe them? Are they lying to themselves and us? Are are pastors real? Like I'm asking that question now. So we're, I mean, you know, we, less than 10 years, I'm asking, how can we even trust pastors? Like, even you guys, like, how do I know to trust you? Like, I mean, you are saying, yeah, we should get up in front and talk in front of people. Like, God, God's called us. Like, you would say you feel called, right? But it's hard to believe that because, I mean, I've seen so much where I thought people were called and then they actually hurt the church or they hurt Christians or they abu- there there's abuse and trauma and all kinds of things. And so, you know... So over the course of these few years, now I'm asking how do I even trust why would I go spend my time and take my family and my daughters and my son to go listen to somebody that I don't know really much about them? I know that they are funny or they 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 can shoot out some scripture pretty quickly or something like that but it, it's really uh, worrisome to me that I would go yes, children. Follow your dad to this place. This, uh, you you know, oftentimes, I mean, you guys are a little different. Oftentimes, it, it's all male dominated. Let's go listen to this man, and he's going to help us learn about God more, as opposed to studying it on our own or learning on our own or whatever. And then, um, uh, I'll just read one more. Uh, fast forward to October twenty twenty, and I wrote, "How do we use strength?" And these are all question marks: leadership question mark, humility question mark, creativity question mark honesty question mark like i'm asking all those things like the church has strength and it really seems like they just really used it in the worst ways like i mean i, th- I feel like so many people through whether it be purity culture about how we view our bodies and and sex um what what god is and what other religions are you know who's right who's wrong like all of these things like that is just a little glimpse into my deconstruction on wait a minute, I'm recognizing still that the church has power and strength, but what is the leadership? Where's the humility? Is it, when I don't think about uh, church as humble, like I don't I don't think of it as like humble Jesus. I don't think about it as crea- creative. I think of it as a copycat of of people that are creative that aren't in the church, and then they just bring it you know and kind of water it down a little bit. And then honesty, like I don't I don't I guess in church now I would say I don't trust the church's use of its power strength. I don't trust the leadership. I don't and and this is just the umbrella here. I'm sure there's churches that are great. Everybody always pushes back on me. You know, the, our church is different. But I do really I, that does make me really concerned. Like I I want to go to a creative place that's humble with good leadership and honesty and transparency and ha- acknowledges that it has strength and then tries to use it the right way. It's, it's okay if they make mistakes. But I I don't ever see the churches not uh giving up that strength or that power. They don't wanna once you get it, once you get the numbers, once you get the power and all that stuff, it doesn't go away. And so then I end up really distrusting it more. And so somebody like me, who the church had me, I'm gone. How and I I think they probably are I mean, how how would they get me back? They would have to listen, like what you guys are trying to do, but I mean, you guys are only two pastors. I don't know how many others are are like that, but that's just a little bit of like, I mean, that's a real person who was all the way in, all the way in, and now all the way out in less than a
3: decade. Isn't that crazy? That's why we um, are trying to ask the questions, ask the hard questions, and just listen and uh, try seeking to understand, you know? We want to hear, we want to understand, and we want to hear the hard stuff. We want to hear, you know what, church sucks. Yeah. And the way people do church sucks, if that's what it is, you know. Yeah. Um, because if the way people do church is wrong, then maybe we need to do church the way Jesus does church. Because he had people that would follow him, you know. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think it's important to be able to get the honesty because um, truth sometimes sucks. (laughs) Sometimes you don't like to hear it. Sometimes you you don't want to, but if you don't have that different opinion, you can't grow. Um, If you don't have somebody who disagrees with you, you can't um, stretch your thoughts. You can't have any personal development really. And that's one of those things that we're sort of trying to do,
3: it just happens to be through church.
0: Mhm. Yeah. I think that um it's reasonable to consider like you said w- how Jesus did it or that that what it means that that worked or didn't work. I mean in some ways I don't see him m- creating exactly creating an intentional model that was supposed to be a certain right way. Like somehow that doesn't even strike me as what he ever was doing. Um but he, some it seems to the best way I look at Jesus is that he probably had the most insight of to what reality really was, or something like he saw things for what they were more than other people, maybe divinely so, but nonetheless, it seems like in every instant or everything he was doing, he was just doing what was necessary for those people presently in that time in that place. And the if I could just give one thing that doesn't work for me about church, it would be that notion of wherever it is, once it becomes a model, and then it is therefore becomes something that is prescriptive, as if it is there is a way that it is simply done that's um, too late once that once that exists i'm out um and i didn't, haven't always been that way and i'm somebody who likes systematic thinking and wants to create new models for things that can work but once they're once things become prescriptive as in this is how this works i just i don't think I ever got that from Jesus i don't think he ever went that far I think he was only meeting needs as they were in where he was it wasn't for another time and place and how you do it wasn't There was no how you do it, I don't think, for him. It was just what there is to do here now. And so, to me, those groups of outsiders that would want to be in that presence of that, I mean, it just kind of has to be built around that because – Otherwise, we're in these, you know, I just say, basically say, non prescriptive community is is a a box that I think could be checked. Um, And then it needs a shared purpose still somehow. Like, for instance, if you say the music scene or communities we do or whatever, at least the misfits can get together and watch heavy music together in a warehouse. At least we can, at least we have something to do since we're misfits and we share this thing, but it's not prescriptive. It's just, whatever happens if we all can agree to like it we have a shared interest but there's not a certain thing that needs to happen like it doesn't if there if there is then i I think i had to reject it personally just as my i think i have to reject it or try as hard as i can to deconstruct it or pick it apart because i don't trust that i don't trust that whatever worked yesterday will work tomorrow i just don't i think that's maybe one way i look at
2: it yeah i think um one of the things that Eric and I discussed early on when we were kind of starting the whole pastoring process and even, you know, going to church um, at all was, you know, take hypothetically that there is no hell, there is no heaven, there is no afterlife, there is nothing. So now why would you be a Christian? What reason would you have? And it is for that accountability with other people. It is for that authenticity. And, you know, I can, especially in this COVID environment that we live in, I can go online and I could read books. I can read my Bible. I can do a lot of those things on my own, but there's something that those things don't give me, which is that accountability and that community and that group of people working towards a a similar ideal of this is the kind of people that we want to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really what, you know, churches need to do more of, less of the showmanship, less of the other, but more of the, we are a common group of people that, you know, we're different. We have some odds and ends, but we have a common idea of what we want to be like, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, at least the basic morals that we're going to live by. And we're going to hold each other accountable to that. You know, if Eric messes up one week, he's, you know, I might say, honey, you might've slipped this week and vice versa. And we also, that's what our churches our task to do as well in the United Methodist denomination is to have, you know, small groups, not just whole churches that do this, but a close knit group of people that is put together to say, Hey, are you having a rough week? Cause you know, you've been a little stressed. You've been a little tense and you can say, you know, I've messed up this week. You know, maybe I, you know, I cussed out my boss um, and I feel really bad about it. And they have people that they can go to and, and speak with. And the whole idea is, I for someone in these churches is I want to live a certain way. These are the people that I do it alongside mm-hmm. of.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, we've got to do away with the rewards based religion. That's awful. Yeah, it yeah. does nothing but engender in and ingrained fear. And uh, well, if I do my pay my dues and mm-hmm. get my soul saved, then I've got another star in my crown and I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we got to get rid of that. That's that's. Inauthentic, and that's what creates mistrust, you know.
1: Yeah, trust is the big word there for I, sure. I would say, and, and we can wrap this up. We really appreciate you guys' time. I think one of the things that y'all are willing to do, and this is this word just keeps popping up in my vocabulary over the last few years is risk. And y'all, y'all were willing to risk to come on here. We could have made fun of you, or you know, what you know, who knows what you could have happened, but you guys are willing to put yourself out there. I think that is if the church is going to continue to grow and influence and have strength and, and be healthier than it has been, I think it, it really is time for people to take a risk because it, it's hard to trust people. It's hard to tell people, yeah, man, I, I screwed up and my I did cuss out my boss or, or, or I cheated on my spouse or uh, you know I'm doing some things that I don't like or I want to change, whatever it might be. It's hard to trust people, but if you could take that risk, then the community – that that you're 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 right it's not a rewards based system anymore it's like oh wait a minute i can be connected that the reward isn't oh man i told somebody Mm -hmm. something and now i get a healthy life or a, a better you know whatever it's now it's oh wait a minute i'm connected so i know that i'm not alone and that we we can do this together and i just think i think taking that risk to trust people and to be vulnerable and uh, have, be authentic, even when it hurts like hell. It, you know, I think that's the most value that you could actually have. And because you're right, if you took away everything, if there is no reward after this life, and this is all we get, why would you go to church? Well, the reason would be to actually what the Bible says: love your neighbor. Well, that, that might really be valuable. Like we don't love our neighbors at all right now. We don't trust them. We don't no. trust each other at all. And so, if we can actually love our neighbors, you know, we actually have a, a maybe a chance. But that's going to be re- a really hard hill to climb, I believe. But
0: yeah, a couple more things. Words come up for me that I w- want to say before we go. That yeah. you re- when you said the rewards based thing, that just that's a light bulb to me. Um, you know, they do a lot of stuff now. That, there's a lot of research now that says the reward, um, the reward based. Uh, teaching and systems where you give a kid a reward for stuff that they do like for motivation in a behavioral sense really undermines intrinsic motivation to do things and so the word intrinsic is the opposite side of reward and that's bad science bad behavioral science to do reward-based parenting for instance like and even in schools and they're overdoing this badly because as soon as you realize you get an external reward you no longer care about why you were doing it because of why you were doing it, which is the real type of intrinsic motivation that you want to create. So I really right. think that is a huge point to notice that rewards-based is bad um, because this is all about intrinsic. Like the only reason you're going to keep going is because you f- get something from it. Like you you get something from the giving. That's the point. If you can't get both of those on the internal side, motivating from the external is going to fail, It's going to fail and undermine what's really supposed to be there in the first place and then the other one is you said about how the you know the methodist and it's this i know it works in a system and that is a big deal because when i was at mars hill um i liked that it was just the one guy mark who could just get shit done without all the bureaucracy i would have said in that time but there were many people that were warning oh but that's why you need a denomination that's why you need a structure that's why you need all this stuff and i don't like bureaucracy because i think that's Awful. So I naturally resist it, but I've seen the pitfalls on both sides. And so the thing that really is promising to me um, is this uh, both the word intrinsic and then this idea that things can be uh, the same on every level and decentralized. So, like the bureaucracy is there but the fact that there's well there's this level of the methodist church but then there's this level but then there's the community group level and there's the individual level if all of those can be sufficiently autonomous and even more so decentralized i think we're getting better and better at understanding those concepts and the technology to facilitate them where there is more you know i think that is a really promising trend for communities in the long term when they um both have intrinsic motivation and can decentralize is, is kind of the gap between authoritarian and bureaucratic, like, you know, one-off thing that can turn into a cult or this big oversized structure. But the fact that you do have a structure, that there's different levels, and they have separate auto- Like, what does the community group do? Whatever the pastor says they do. I mean, that's not good. Like whatever the Methodists tell you to do, no, like they let you decide. And that has to go all the way down to the autonomy and consent of the participants if there's to be doing so based on their intrinsic motivation to continue doing this thing. So I would build those two. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. The autonomy of that is is very Hmm. critical for people who are black sheep in in the first place. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we really
1: appreciate your guys' time. Thank you guys for stopping by, and and uh, we do, you know, wish you a lot of luck. I mean, and we, we we hope that there is there is some community and growth from from what you guys are trying to do. I, it it's very encouraging that you guys are trying. Like it's not just butts in the seats that you actually do want community, and it's not about growth numbers, but more about just the community aspect. Which you're right. We've we've learned so much from Bad Christian Club and Emory Land and all that. Like these. So, you know, we, we've created groups and congregations, if you will, of people that are coming together and sometimes it's really ugly and sometimes it's really beautiful, but it's real. And that's been a, a huge benefit to our life in lots of ways. It's been hard sometimes, but it's also been really beautiful. So we really appreciate you guys stopping by. Thank you guys so much.